When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Attacking Scrum at the Rugby World Cup. Uh, although we're not at the Rugby World Cup anymore, you'll have you'll have figured that out by now, listeners. Uh, but still, no shortage of talking points this week. My God, we've got so much to get through. We've got Rugby World Cup semi-finals to review. We've got a preview of the Rugby World Cup final between South Africa and New Zealand. We've got huge controversies coming out of at least one of those semi-finals, and then we've got the URC was back uh, at the weekend with uh, some pretty worrying results for the Welsh regions. We'll be looking at all of this uh, and also and the latest incarnation of uh, a British and Irish Super League story, which uh, which broke last week. So, who better to join us and chat through all of that than good friend of the show, Paul Reese? How are you, Paul? Good, thank you, Jed. You. Yes, very good. Thank you. Slowly coming to terms with the uh, the missed opportunity against Argentina, but the form the All Blacks were in on Friday night, it kind of feels like that might have been, um, well, if not a blessing in disguise, it's uh, it, it's at least not delayed any misery by a week, put it that way. Yeah, I thought at one stage that the All Blacks were going to surpass what they did to Wales in 1987-49-6, mm. but they, they stopped at 44-6 and not quite. Yeah, it was a very well. I mean, there's not a great deal to say about that other than it looked very much like a side who'd played their cup final the week before and uh, a side in New Zealand who really are coming into coming into form at the right time. Yeah, it was a good first six minutes and then it's um, <laughs> and then it went downhill. I mean, I think you know, you, you go back to the England's first game against Argentina when they won with 14 men. Um, kicking penalties and dropping goals galore, but never scoring a try, never looking like scoring a try, never really trying to score a try, which is how they performed against South Africa as well. And then it's just New Zealand's capacity to suddenly burst into life and create something almost out of nothing. And that's, you know, for, for Argentina coming through that side of the of the pool where, you know, almost as many penalties were kicked as tries scored, um, it was just a totally different experience and when they weren't when they weren't prepared for. In the same way that South Africa, having come through the other side, weren't prepared <laughs> weren't prepared for a team that played absolutely no rugby at all, just kicked and chased. So Yeah, I, I just just quick because we haven't asked you about this and it seems to come up on every podcast I listen to about the you know the, the lopsided nature of the draw. Where do you stand on this, Paul? You know, was was the, the draw done too early or actually has it no. created for a more no. entertaining tournament? I think I, I think it's create, created a very good tournament. But it's you know, I mean they're all going on by the draw. You imagine if pool B had been pool C and pool C had been pool B, would anybody be talking about it? Because you'd have had Wales on on the side of France and New Zealand, and you'd have had Ireland on the side of England, Ireland South Africa on the side of England, Argentina. Nobody would have said anything, would they? Because you'd have probably had the top four 
um, all marching through to the semi-finals. So it's purely the, the the luck of the draw. Nothing to do with, with when they do. They could have done it two years later, and it been. I worked it out. It'd been pretty much the same thing. England would have would have um, would have still been in the uh, in the top four, but Wales wouldn't have been. Um, and so it wouldn't have been anywhere near as you could you could still have had France and New Zealand in the same pool, for example, because France were in the top four. I but but also it's there's a sort of an arrogance about this as, as well that oh well you know it's all about the top four the top five top six and you keep them apart and what about you know the emerging nations and all this mm. how, how are they meant to climb up the rankings when they're not given much access to, to tier one nations and certainly in the case of fiji nobody ever goes there or samoa or tonga to play them do they so how are oh, they no. meant to climb up the rankings and establish you know, because for them finishing third is big because you you qualify for the next tournament automatically, and it's it's all seems to be geared to, to the top teams. If you're going to look at it, look at it as a whole. Portugal have climbed up to 13th on the back of their um, exploits. When are they going to get a chance to go higher than that in the next four years? They won't, will they? Not at no, all. Of course they won't. Not at all. So I think if you're going to if you're going to talk about it, you've got to talk about it in the round. And until these teams do get, they'll never get regular access, but some access. No, I think I think you're absolutely right, and there's uh, there's no denying, and we've mentioned this numerous times that there has to be a more objective look at world rugby as a whole, uh, because frankly, there is there are too many unions out there looking, you know, looking after their own uh, their own interests, which I get, you know, that that is their job to do, but at the same time, the World Cup is that one thing that that has you that world rugby can really kind of use to pull unions in line. I think, you know, it's the one thing that has that power commercially. It's the, it's the powerhouse of, uh, of international rugby. And you're absolutely right. You know, I think these, these things have to be, have to be more fair and um, you know, whether or not we'll see, uh, well, in fact, I, I think we're probably all in agreement that we're not going to see much um, leveling up. If you want to use that term no. um, in, in between tournaments. No, and yet, and it, you, you know, you look at the reception the Portugal squad got when they returned home. I mean, you, I couldn't believe it. I mean, Lisbon Airport was packed out with, with rugby supporters, and you, 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 it was almost as if they'd won won the thing. Such was the rapture they were received with, and that's, you know, that's something you want to build on. Yeah, it is. I, I suppose perhaps slightly more encouragingly, there seemed to be a story doing the rounds that that Spain and Portugal might be bidding for the, uh, mm. what tournament would that be? Uh, was it twenty? In eight you, years time. Eight years time. If, if my, for some reason I can't seem to do that maths. You, you've, got, um, you've got you've got Australia twenty seven, the USA thirty one. So oh, the USA thirty one. So be thirty five then. Thirty five. Yeah. 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 So I mean, which which would be really interesting from um, in terms of taking it to to new places. And I think if you look at the at the good that the the tournament in Japan did in terms of in terms of raising the interest there, obviously that was helped by a massive victory four years before, but. Uh, you know they they hosted the tournament so well. Yes, there were you know, obviously there was the, the problems with the weather and things like that. But you can see how that has moved Japan into mm. into a into a different tier. You know, from being a, a very you know from being a minnow to to being kind of there at the top table, um, if not regularly on a more regular basis. And so you know you would hope that 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 would be that would be something that could really kind of galvanise some interest in Portugal. And They've they've staged a Champions League final in in Bilbao, haven't they? So they have, yeah. Then Biarritz used to play in San Sebastian when they when they made the knockout stages. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's enough time you'd hope to see, you know, to see, um, I mean, Spain really should have been there this time around, shouldn't they? It was an, it was an, um, the, they fielded the, an eligible the player. Second tournament in a row with an eligible player cost them. Yeah, exactly that. So, you know, th- there should be enough interest for them to be there and make a good fist of it. And it gives them enough enough time to to put some some resource mm. behind it so you know that could make for a for an interesting for an interesting tournament but to bring it back to this one now obviously the the major talking points of the week came from that quarter uh, sorry that semi-final on saturday night where england narrowly lost to south africa let's start with england have we we spoke a few months ago you know when they were struggling during the summer i've kind of repeatedly kind of said that I hadn't been massively impressed with them as a unit. Have we been underestimating England all along, or did again did they have no. their their cup no. final in this game? No, no, I don't think they've been underestimated at all. I mean, I was <clears throat> talking in the gym before the game. A group of blokes who thought uh, South Africa would win comfortably, and I just said to them, "Look at the weather; it's going to rain." South Africa came off a huge emotional high against France. You know, even though they're, they're World Cup holders, they you know, it's it, that was such a, a you know a massive match for them. And I said, you know what England will do in those conditions? They'll kick, they'll chase, they'll tackle, they'll do everything that doesn't require skill, and mm-hmm. st- look to stay in the game as long as they can, picking up three pointers along the way. And and you know, if it had been if it had been played in the afternoon, hot and sunny, then they might not have got away with it. But in those conditions, and you go back to rugby championship in the summer when when New, um, New Zealand played South Africa, it wasn't raining. Where it was, Wellington, where it wasn't raining, but it was damp, and they peppered them with kicks. South Africa messed up, and New Zealand scored tries rather than kick goals, but they raced into a 17 point lead, taking advantage of a, you're not the biggest, biggest back three. So that game was always set up to be played at England's pace and at their at, at their call, and they were they were pumped up. You saw that with Farrell; he was too pumped up because he gave away crucial three points by by talking and getting marched back 10 metres. But it was it was, it was was almost, you know, there'd they, been, been a siege mentality in the weekend. Everybody hates us and we don't care. And, and But I think, you know, that was that was what they were about. That was the best best of England, this this England. But, you know, much as you could admire their, their, their spirit, their resolve, their hunger, their attitude, there was almost a sense of relief that they didn't make the final because you wouldn't want a repeat of that again. It was it was it was a, a, a glorious one-off, but I hope that I mean I'm Borthwick's a, a shrewd coach that when they reflect on it they they can go back with their with their head held high, but that they appreciate that what you've seen in this World Cup, especially on the other side of the draw, is teams playing at a totally different level to England, and if they you know they they got to the semi final in in part through through the luck of the draw. But that if they want, if they want to progress, if they want to break into the top three or four, that they've got to really look at the way they play the game, and you know some very skillful players up there, but skill wasn't wasn't required at all, not at all. And that's you know I I don't think that is sustainable in the long term. And they you know you've got someone like Arundel scores five tries in one game, right? It was against Chile, but he doesn't it doesn't appear otherwise. Why not? Um, you know, you got you, 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 Smith has, has been given a go at, at outside out, was he? Why not? Or or will Borthwick from next season onwards and, and building up to Australia look to really expand their horizons? Because if he doesn't, then I, I don't see them being any better in, in 2027. 
Yeah, a lot to unpack there. I would say in terms of the game plan, you're absolutely right. The weather conditions played into England's hands. I, I believe the... Um, yeah, they're obviously picking Freddie Stewart at fullback. I think they would have done that regardless of Smith's uh, availability. It made sense. You know, the the one thing that he does incredibly well and probably better than anyone in the world is field high balls. So you, you could expect that. I suppose the disappointment from the South African perspective should be really that they didn't vary that. You know, they they clearly kind of came out with this game plan that they were going to continue with a with a kicking game. And I think it's one thing to struggle for intensity off the back of a huge quarterfinal, which must have really taken it out of them. But that game plan could have changed. You know, they, they could have reacted to that on the on the pitch. And I thought the half, but the starting halfbacks were really, really poor in that regard. The, it, you they, know, yeah, they, obviously, oh. Leboc was crooked. You know, they was crooked off after half an hour. I think Reinach was, was equally, if not more guilty of, of just sticking solidly to a game plan that simply wasn't working and could have cost them the game before, before and, the and, hour mark. And they're running halfbacks. Yeah, you know, you want yeah. the kicking backs. You got to Cloak and Pollard, and it reminded me of the France England semi final in two thousand and three in Sydney, mm. when it, that was another horrible day. It was rain and 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 wind, and they'd picked Michelac at outside half, and they had Mercer on on the bench, and you thought, well, you know, they'll they'll change that up before the start of the game, because Mercer on was just had a huge boot on him, and and they didn't. They played Michelac. They they were running, and I mean England just Wilkinson played the conditions. France didn't, and and I I I was stunned when because they knew the forecast all through the week, why they'd gone with Libak when they got Pollard and, and Reinach when they when they got to Clerk and, and you know hooking Libak off, I mean it's it's it was to me it was less a reflection on him, as on the on the South African selectors for the team they picked in the first place. I mean they got away with it in the end, but only just. Well, I mean it was only just. It was incredibly close, and you know I kind of heard you, you know, a few. I think Chris Jones on Five Live was talking with Matt Dawson about it and said, you know, it was uh, the substitutions were kind of a, a tactical masterclass in as much as they, you know, you very often see pre-prescribed substitutions a lot of the time. But to me, it felt like they were hugely reactive because he'd got his team selection wrong mm. and and had picked a game plan that didn't suit it and the players that didn't suit it. So actually... Come fifty-five minutes, as I say, that game that game could have been gone, and they only got out of jail because of the the the, I mean, the, I mean, the scrummaging dominance. I mean, I suspect their tactics were to run it a lot more, mm. or, to, or to get width a lot more. And in the end, they reverted because of the conditions. They reverted to 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 a kicking game, and they hadn't picked a, picked a kicking team. So, if you remember at Twickenham back in November, they tended when they were kicking, they tended to avoid Stewart's who kick yeah. where he was. But I mean, in their in their haste just to kick. They were sticking it down his throat and making him look as Wales did back in back in the Six Nations, made him look very, very good. Yeah, it's I mean it's a really strange one because I can't I cannot fault him in terms of the skill that he, that he possesses there. But if you look across again, you look across the kind of the top the top four nations around the world, and you've got you've got to have a bit of a counter attacking threat at fullback, I think. And it, it it feels really harsh because again, you know, he did absolutely everything that was asked from him, and it very nearly won them the game. I just think it was very naive of South Africa. You know, for the first 20 minutes, if they'd have taken stock then and realised that it wasn't going to work, they just needed to be a change, just to vary the length of the kick or to put it on someone else. It just made no sense to, and, to carry on and, in that vein. And Pollard is his club colleague. Yeah. So why don't you, you know, he knows all about Stuart more than, more than any other South African. Again, why he was on the... I, it, was, it was almost... Not a, not a sign of their arrogance, 
but I think of the lack of respect they had for England, and that it very nearly cost them. You know, they they almost well, well, you know, England have had a weak weak draw. They've only just come through that. Nearly lost to Samoa, Fiji, were just an interception away. You know, they got a bit lucky against against Argentina. Galvanized themselves after the sending off. What have they done? And that lack of respect, you know, for a team which whatever their their path to the to the semi final had a had a real core of players who beat New Zealand in the last four or four years ago. And and you know England, you know, them, you might have had contempt for the way they played, but you had to have respect for the players that made up that team. And I don't think South Africa did until they were well into that first half. Then they did. It's been really interesting as well, actually, South Africa, particularly during this tournament, because it feels like they've pushed the envelope in terms of a lot of different things. Whether it's the seven-one split on the bench, this whole traffic light business. Uh, I mean, medics are coming on with messages. And, uh, you know, uh, they've clamped down on the water carrier stuff. There are medics coming on with messages. HIAs, now, I've no way of proving this, but there seems to be a consensus that HIAs were players getting breathers during the during the quarterfinal. So they've really kind of pushed the envelope in terms of that. And and you're right, I think there is has been a certain degree of, if not arrogance, uh, a huge amount of kind of superiority in their own thinking that they're kind of going to out. Yeah. Just a degree of a degree of kind of gamesmanship in in everything that they do, and you're right that that kind of nearly cost them. And actually, I think you what the game required on Saturday night was was players who could think on their feet and realise that they were actually getting nowhere. And you know, it could it could very well have cost them had it not been for for complete dominance at the uh, at the scrum sure. when the when the replacements came on because in the first half you know the first half and the first fifty minutes that didn't really work. Well, without, you know, I mean, think without that scrum, you know, before the before the try, which came from a scrum and a line-out, scrum penalty and a line-out, and then the penalty itself obviously was from a scrum. Remember, a Rense had knocked on just in front of his own line. Yeah. England had a scrum, you know, prime attacking position. You get at least three points. Um, and uh, and they were penalised at that scrum as well. So it was it was really, really costly for them that in, in the last 25 minutes, that set piece. Yeah, it was. And um, I mean, as we look ahead to towards next week, you know, you mentioned the the fact that South Africa had, had a very, very hard quarterfinal and, uh, you know, New Zealand have, have been able to kind of canter past Argentina. What does that mean in terms of preparation for this game? Would you rather be in New Zealand's camp physically having really had time to recover because it's that game was never in doubt? Or would you rather have had a real kind of test like like South Africa have had? I suppose as a coach, you know, having a scare like that, knowing you're much better than you showed on on Saturday nights, it's a sort of you know, it'll if that doesn't wake the players up, then nothing will. Whereas I think New Zealand will be will be quite content. Um, yes, it wasn't uh, wasn't anywhere near the um, the challenge that South Africa had, but but it was still potentially one of those games where. You, you know, you win, but you don't prove an awful lot. Mm. Well, you you were bound to beat Argentina, but the, I think they did more than beat Argentina. They really you know, sliced them apart in a way that you know. Yes, they they lost to England in the in the opener, but they weren't they weren't ripped apart. Um, but the way they they really sliced and diced them, as they had done in the rugby championship, I I would that would make me feel pretty confident if I was the New Zealand coach because it, you know they're confidence wise, they're at the top of their game. And which they need to be, given what South Africa did to them at Twickenham back in um, 
was it September, beginning of September. Yeah. It was. And also it means that we've got two sides facing each other in the final. He both lost a pool game. Uh, yes. So for, so for the second tournament in a row, we're going to have a side win it who also lost a lost a pool yes. game. Is that a sign of how much more competitive the World Cup has become versus previous years? No, I think it's a, it's a sign of how more competitive the top four have become. Hmm. Um, I mean, you think, you know, you can sum it up as, as saying, you know, France beat New Zealand, who beat, who beat Ireland, who beat South Africa, who beat France. Hmm. So those four on their day, they can, they, they can beat the others. There's very, very little separate. So what was it? Four points Ireland, New Zealand, one point France, South Africa. And, and yes, there was one point England, South Africa, but you know, you look at the games involving them, pool stage, and uh, and quarterfinals. You know the intent was there, wasn't it, to score to score tries rather than kick. Penalty. France were the one team that that at times would take the three points rather than than, than go for seven. But but by and large, their their tactics were to, to win by scoring tries, whereas the other side of the pool, it was more it was more conservative. So I think you know it showed. Just how good the uh, the top four are, but also even with Scotland in fifth, the gap then from four downwards is 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 pretty substantial. It is right. We still got lots more to uh, to unpack with that semi final, with a look ahead to the final, and uh, and also the club rugby and all the other news as well. So we're going to do that in the next part of the show. But first, we are going to take this quick break. Into the second part of the show, you are listening to the Attacking Scrum at the Rugby World Cup, sponsored by our friends at MSG Tours. If you think about heading abroad on a rugby tour of any sort, then make sure you uh, you check out msgtours.com. And a big thanks to them for sponsoring us throughout the tournament. Right, on to, uh, on to the final then. Uh, we, we've kind of touched on New Zealand. Paul, we've we've gone quite deep into South Africa. Uh, we've talked about what the, the kind of the preparation might hold, I suppose, the one thing now is is to take a look at it and and see what see what your thoughts are. Is there is there any stop in this New Zealand train, or is is this going to be is this going to be another really really close game? You know, I am um, I sat on here last week and I think I predicted a comfortable a comfortable South Africa win, and uh, and James Stafford completely called it and said it it's, it's going to be a narrow one. Um, what do you make of this final? Is there going to be? Is this going to be? Is it going to be a tight affair? Is this going to be? I mean, there's so much history between these sides, and they know each other so well. How do you see it playing out? I mean, on the one hand, you have got the evidence of that that match in the rugby championship when New Zealand won. I think it was 35-20 in the end, but so they took took a big lead, and then the Twickenham one went to well, they lost by by a record score, didn't they? New Zealand thirty-five mm-hmm. seven was it? Biggest heaviest seven feet. So. Um, are they the two extremes, and will they, will they meet in the middle? Um, I mean, South Africa will certainly look to do what they did at at, at Twickenham and really exert themselves physically. But I thought I, I thought that's when New Zealand really fronted up against Ireland, and, and I thought Ireland would have won that game because they would have got the better of them at the breakdown. But um, you know, Kane and Surrey played really, really well, didn't they? And 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 and, and the second rows as well. So if New Zealand can replicate that against South Africa. Then they've got every chance because of their their capacity to um to, to create, and and but equally you know after after coming so close to going out they'll have had you know, some fairly stern words there won't they um 
they won't neither side will do much in the way of training this week because they don't need to. But it's it's going to be, you know, physically um I think they'll 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 pretty much cancel each other. I think it'll come down to, to the mental side and you know, South Africa, how they respond to 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 the almost no show against England. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it's um as we said there, they know each other well. We, I think you kind of know what to expect from each side. It's, it is a question of who turns up and does it on the day. And I do think, though, that kind of at the end of a season where you've had the Rugby Championship, the World Cup warm-up games, and both sides have come through that hard side of the draw. So we'll be more physically affected by that than in, than in other years, I think. So mm. I, you know, I think a lot of it is going to come down to... Um, yeah, it's going to come down to who's got who's got enough in the tank on the day, and um, I don't think that necessarily means rotating players, but I think it does mean, for me, I think that the physical exertion of and the scare against England makes makes South Africa slight underdogs for this one, just based on mm. on how much I think the previous weeks would have taken out of them. Yeah, and I think I think what you will what you'll see from New Zealand again is a lot of kicking. You mm. know, and, and and you know that's what England exposed. Uh, you know, Freddie Stewart was he six one six two big guys so he can command the air you know South Africa's wings they you know that they, they, they're not bigger than and Willem's at fullback or, or if they pick Leroux you know they again they're not the biggest and they were targeted by New Zealand in that first game of the rugby championship so uh, I would expect New Zealand to kick a kick a lot again as they did in the opener against France and what really struck me that day and why I guess I didn't fancy them against Ireland was they you know, every restart they kicked long they mm. never won to contest it was almost as if they just wanted France to kick the ball back to them so they could run it and France a lot of the time didn't oblige they just they, they, they forced the contest and, and got the better of them now I think New Zealand have learned a bit from that but but I, I still expect them to to kick a lot against um, against South Africa not so much like England to contest and, and, and England wins really well um, and, you know, and, and, and Stewart in, in, in chasing those kicks but almost as a means of getting getting the ball back in, in maybe a better position. Yeah, and actually, to be fair, that is something that, that deserves credit from England's point of view because, mm. again, I've definitely questioned the selection of Johnny May and, you know, I think Daly has not looked at his best the last couple of years, but both of them, in terms of the mm. kick chase, it made life really, really difficult for South Africa. And, you know, it, it's not necessarily a, a tactical masterstroke to kick the ball to compete in wet weather conditions like that. And it suits Steve Borthwick's kind of um, fairly route one tactics as a coach. But at the same time, you still got to pull it off. You know, the, the kicks still oh. have to be on the point and the, and the chase has to be as well. And that's, that is definitely something they executed. And I think, and I think what England showed to me, and maybe not everyone, not many would agree with this, but if they'd kept Eddie Jones, I think pretty much the same thing would have happened. They got to the semi-final mm. and lost narrowly to South Africa. Yeah, I, I don't think I could disagree with that really. Just, you know, based on, based on the, the draw and and how it was and you know it has been an easy path there's no there's no way through it as as Wales had an easy route and and Wales will be looking at that as a missed opportunity against yeah, against to... Argentina because that game was won much like England had that game against South Africa won they did not they didn't kind of have the the ruthlessness to to put it to bed and, and, that, and more that, so on Wales that's that's the one thing about Argentina you know you saw it again in the rugby championship they 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 came from behind later on in Australia to win. And there was that game against South Africa where you thought they were dead and buried, and they could have snatched it at the at the end. 
uh, and that was in South Africa. And so you you knew that you know, Argentina not a not a not a great side by any stretch, but they stayed in the fight. And and I think you know those two games against Fiji and and against Argentina when bigger went off, and there was no Anscom on the bench, mm. Wales collapsed pretty much, didn't they? And I think I think they would they just when he went off against Argentina, I think Argentina had just taken the lead, but. You know, then followed the interception try, and there was there, there was no way. But that, that that's a worry for Wales going for Costello looks a really promising player, but um, you know, without Anscombe and bigger, that you know, outside half is is a position they're, they're going to want him to um, to um, to make his mark pretty quickly. I mean, I think he's. I think there's no choice other than to to stick with Sam Costello because. For yeah, for those reasons, the two you know the two most experienced players, and what are you losing there? 150, 160 caps worth of experience, uh, probably more actually, and that's going to be that's going to be absolutely massive. But there's no one else, I don't think, you know, who's who, who's got who's got that experience. You could play. I don't I don't think Gatland particularly fancies Owen Williams. You know, he's in the training squad and didn't take him. If he if he I think if he fancied him, he would have. So I can't really see him. Well, J- Jared is starting to. Jared Evans is out of content. Is out of. Contention. What's what's um what's Sheedy's status? Because he stayed at Bristol, but I don't know if he's if that makes him. So he, he hasn't signed since the rule was amended. So that would technically make him still available. I think so. Um, also, I don't know how many caps Callum Sheedy's got now because he must have picked up a fair few. Um, he must have been yeah. googling that. Um, how many has he got? Certainly double figures. He's got yeah, he's got sixteen actually, so not quite enough. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, he certainly he slipped down the pecking order as well, hasn't he? Really, on the back of his on the back of his club form. So yeah, you know, I I think really what would be the best use of time is I think you've just got to stick with Costello and say right, this is the time that you're going to find your feet at international rugby, which is which is a difficult place, you know. Oh. And and also there's there's going to be no easy games in the Six Nations. There are going to be um, you know, more so than ever. You know, England having found. Performed perhaps better than they would have anticipated at the World Cup. Ireland will be will be desperate oh. to, to 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 bounce back. France still have the core of an incredibly good side. Scotland will be you know as always will be difficult to beat um, um, at home. They'll come to Cardiff you know fancying it, kind of having broken the hoodoo. So it's, it's going to be a really tough campaign. Yeah, well, yeah, well, and that, that and that's why you know Costello's clearly clearly the the, the next ten, but you, you know they they. They will miss bigger, and they will miss miss Anscombe, and it's just, it's just how quickly he adapts it, which which makes the selections inside and outside him important because you're going to want to surround him with experience. You are right. Uh, just bringing it back to um, back to the final now. Obviously, and that semi final was no not short on controversy, not just the the refereeing decisions, but story breaking today that. Um, there's set to be an investigation into remarks that Bongi and Banambe has alleged to have said to Tom Curry. Um, I mean, this is an interesting one, Paul. Does does this mean you know he could well miss the final while this investigation is taking on, or is it something that, that could be cleared up? Um, oh, cleared up quickly. They'd have to they'd have to clear it up, and, and to clear it up, it means calling a disciplinary hearing before the final. Uh, I mean, as South African South African aren't, aren't disputing he used the word white. Their 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 claim is that the second word he used, <clears throat> rather than a, a swear word, um, a, a derogatory swear word, as England are claiming, is a, was a, was um, was a I don't I, a word I, that I, sounds I, very similar, but that means but, but, side but, in Afrikaans, right? So ball coming out on the white side. So yeah. um, 
I mean, again, how does a disciplinary hearing resolve that unless you've got clear audio picked up through the referee's mic? It's one word against against the other, isn't it? I mean, it's very, very difficult. Um, yeah. So unless, unless, yeah. unless there's conclusive evidence there, I, I would imagine they'd just, um, just issue a quiet warning to South Africa. Fair enough. If anyone is wondering what that second word is, please listen to any of our episodes with uh, the mighty Murphy, and he'll be able to uh, he'll be able to fill you in on that word in uh, in no wor- no no time whatsoever. Um, so yeah, putting that putting that to one side, then um, as we said, I think we've kind of done a preview for for the final. Um, in terms of the tournament as a whole, though, Paul, I mean, this could be. Yeah, I think uh, there's been some real cracking games in this you know some of the best test rugby i've ever seen i do feel like it would be fitting if the if the final was set off with you know with a real contest because we've not seen too many even uh even rugby world cup finals over the years have we really i mean england england australia is the is the most obvious one in in 2003 but there have been a lot of mismatches over the years so it does feel like this could be an opportunity for a re- another real let's go down to the wire final and you go, you go back to 95 the other time they met in the final of course yeah in in, in Joburg, which was decided with a, a um, an extra time drop goal by stransky um i mean that that day it was strange even though they were hosting it was at johannesburg and nelson mandela was there and there were fly pass and, and you know atmosphere was whipped up um, you know, South Africa were, were the underdogs. New Zealand that tournament had been had been superb. You know, Jonah Lomu making his mark in more ways than one, uh, and yet it was a huge defensive effort from from South Africa. You know, I think they have James Small, who, in comparison mm-hmm. to Lomu, was small, but Lomu got Lomu got absolutely no a brilliant defensive effort by South Africa, and um, and they 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 stopped the All Blacks from scoring a try. I I I just think. South Africa will will come out to play a bit on uh, on Saturday. New Zealand certainly will, and I think we could see could see a few tries. I hope so. I hope so. Certainly. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's really what the, the tournament needs. I mean, it's by no by no means been you know perfect, but I think there's been loads of great stuff to pick out of the tournament. And you know, those like I say, those quarterfinals were, were incredible test matches. Oh. The, the England semi final was full of drama, and the the increased competitiveness that the that the Uruguays and Portugals have given, even yeah. if Italy and a few others have slid in the wrong direction, has made for games that that you know that keep you on the edge of your seat. And, and I think that's 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 what that's what brings neutrals to the game is good competition rather than rather than just necessarily yeah. the best rugby. But, but yeah, you know, I mean Romania and Namibia, um, you know, they go home tails between their legs. But you felt really sorry for them because they because because of the, the the nature of the draw, you had three tier one nations in in in. In both the pools of Ireland, South Africa, and mm. New Zealand and France, it meant that points difference was potentially vital. So, you know, there was no, they were it was it was foot down all the way. You saw that from the start with Ireland's first game against Romania. I mean, they were even at the end with time up. They were on their own line. They're seventy points to the good. Would you kick the ball off? Not a chance. They went up and, and grabbed another set just in case you you needed them. So I think you felt sorry for them. But you know, Uruguay. Denying France a bonus point—that was that was a huge effort. I thought Chile, yes, England murdered them for twenty minutes. That was a good game. It was, um, it was, and, it was and, nil and nil after about twenty minutes, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And then lack of exposure cost them. Um, but but you know showed you know, a, a, a lot of Chile fans there. You know, really 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 good atmosphere in the crowd when they were playing. Portugal the same, but a lot of fans played some really good rugby. And I think in, in terms of rugby play, they were probably the best team in. In, in in that group, because Fiji weren't at their their flowing best, 
Um, so, yeah, so a, a, a lot to take out. Samoa, disappointing early on, but played really well against England and were denied by a, 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 a television match official intervention that was never properly explained. Yeah. And that was that they that robbed them of seven points without a shadow of that, and they, they, they should have had an apology for that. So, far, you know, across the board, um, you know, it, it's been one of the best tournaments that, that I can remember. Now, you know, it's the first one I've missed since 1987, but I haven't missed it because you, you can watch a hell of a lot more at home than you can when you're out there and mm-hmm. going to, to certain games and missing others. And even when they're on the television in the background, you're not taking in them. But I've watched virtually every game. So this is the first sort of complete World Cup I've had. And um, with a couple of exceptions, I've enjoyed that. And even the lopsided draw, you know, Wales's group, some good matches. I think that was great. arguably the most entertaining group, I would say. You know, yeah, I mean, not, again, not the, the best. Probably the most even group. I think it was, yeah. Yeah. You know, certainly until Wales put Australia away, you kind of felt like the you know when when Fiji beat Australia, you thought, oh, this is this is wide open, yeah. and it was there. You know, it was a big opportunity for Australia to beat Wales and and blow it into a three way, um, yeah, a three way run, which for me is what competitions need. And it's always been my criticism of the European Cup as well. Actually, is that all too often, you know, you lose your first game and actually sides don't take it as seriously because you know realistically there's only going to be one team that goes out that, that goes through in that in that pool and I think what you just need is you need competition right down to the last game so for there to be an ability for a side to get through competitiveness just makes for a more interesting tournament for me and and I get the argument about a lopsided draw but as we said you know that that's happened and it just meant you ended up with quarterfinals that we've never seen before and actually you ended up with a semi-final that um that arguably wouldn't have happened had there been uh yeah had there been slight variances with with who drew who in the pools yeah because because i mean at least you saw you know in the england south africa semifinal, a bit of a contrast in styles didn't you you had you know one team that south africa throughout the tournament had been not as expansive as as, as the all blacks but but certainly a, a lot more ambitious than they were four years mm. ago when they won the tournament in, in 07 and 95 and an england team that you, you know, that that recognized its limitations and played within them so there was an, it was a nice, nice sort of contrast there. Which, if it had been you know South Africa and and someone from that other side, you know for France on or, or, or if they'd been playing New Zealand in the semi, then it was, it was almost you know more of the same. So I think it was nice. You had the you know, the, the, the 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 four quarterfinals were all in, in their very different ways. You know, worth watching, but the semi-finals weren't a repeat of that. And that, that's I quite I quite like that. It was certainly the England South Africa one. It was, it was something a bit different. And now you you're back to the quarterfinals for the final. Absolutely right. That brings us to uh, to a conclusion for the Rugby World Cup chat this week. Uh, although I do want to get a prediction from you, Paul, just before we head to a break. So uh, if you uh, if you had to put some money on it, which way is this one heading? Um. If you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago, I'd have said South Africa. Um, I mean, I, come the World Cup, I always like watching the All Blacks. Always have done because they, you know, they they, they play the game in the right way. Um, I mean, I hope it's the All Blacks. I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say that, should I? Um, there's nothing uh-huh. against nothing against South Africa. I thought you know four years ago were, were well worth it, but I I I, I just hope, given given how they they've rallied after the, after you know 
losing badly to South Africa and, and badly on the opening night to France, how they've rallied and, 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 and they've done it by addressing some of the weaker parts of the game, but by continuing to play and, and exciting. You know, I, ho- I hope New Zealand win it by, by, by those same qualities. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, yeah, I um, I can't even remember you, who I picked at the start of the tournament. Now it's, but you it can, feels like you so can, long you, ago. But it never pays to write off South Africa, no. the most obdurate of, of sides, and and no little ability as well. But I, you know, if he gets if if Erasmus gets his selection right, then um, it, it 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 should be close. But I think both will want to win the World Cup rather than not lose, and that's. Yeah. That makes a difference, doesn't it? I think they'll both go, both go out to win it. Good. Well, yeah. With any with any luck, we'll get a, a great entertaining final to uh, to cap this tournament off. Right. We're going to take one quick, one more final quick break, and then when we come back, we can have a look at some uh, news from the world of club rugby. So that will be coming up after this short interval. Right, final part of the show then, Paul. Um, I feel like we have one of these stories uh, every single time you come on, but uh, Gavin Mayers in the, the Telegraph last week uh, reporting that supposedly the in the uh, against the backdrop of the Rugby World Cup, um, senior figures within the club world have been mooting a, a British and Irish Super League, although it looks to me very much like English sides joining the URC. Um, given that this British Super League also would feature Italian and South African teams. Um, we've mentioned this a number of times before. Anything that makes you think it's more realistic this time? Um, I, mean, I mean, they talk about not so much this idea, but but sort of cross-border leagues every every couple of years, don't they? But, I mean, what's made it a little more urgent this time is the loss of three premiership clubs mm. last uh, last season um, because of financial problems and and there are still you know a couple in England who are sailing closer than the edge than they, than they they would like I, I I mean a big problem with that sort of league is, is the logistics um, I mean the URC is run by unions isn't it um, the Premiership is clubs so for the clubs to enter URC they've got to be prepared to be part of a tournament run by unions. Um, I think that's that's a big step. So now in Europe, of course, it's pretty much run by the clubs. The unions gave way on that, albeit reluctantly. Um, would they be prepared for the URC to be run by clubs? Well, no, because you look at the setups in 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 Ireland and Scotland and Italy. Um, unions control those professional sides, don't they? Wales, it's sort of fifty fifty, um, and South Africa, those sides are controlled by the unions. So the English clubs would have to give up their autonomy in order to enter this in, in order to enter this league so financially it would really have to be worth their while i mean i would i would prefer to see welsh teams going into the premiership you know they've lost three teams you know make it up to, to you could certainly make it up to 12 um i'd, I'd rather that than oh, yeah. and, and 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 you know again from the point of view of english clubs you look at crowds um you know if you got some of the Irish and Scottish teams coming coming down to England on a league basis as opposed to a Champions Cup and South African teams, you're away, the sport will suffer, won't it? Um, and equally, your own supporters are not going to be able to travel to a huge number of games. It's um, 
it's it, it you know it's driven by by financial need, but I'm not sure. I I don't think the URC is is that practical. Um, well, no, I don't it's, think... it's, it's definitely not. And you know, you mentioned logistics. There's nothing bigger than having to having to factor in those flights to to South Africa. You know, and it's it's difficult because they're 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 exceptionally good teams, and there's no denying it's made for better competition having them mm. in there you know sides who are able to take on the likes of Leinster and Munster etc but at the same time I don't know I mean it has it in, the league is so unwieldy as it is um I, I was perhaps dangerously kind of took to Twitter after this story broke to, to take a look at, at kind of what the reaction was and a lot of it seemed to be um you know, I suppose mainly Irish fans saying, "Oh, you know, this is this shows how far the the Premiership and the English clubs have fallen, wanting to join the URC." And I thought, "Well, yes, it is, and we know that financially, but also at the same time, the, the URC is no is not a commercial um, gold mine. You know, the they've existed on a, a TV deal by TV deal basis. The fact that it's on been on Viaplay or or Premier Sports for the last six seasons." hardly you know kind of huge hitters in the terms in the world of in the world of sport um shows that financially is there the, the south african teams coming in was a shot in the arm because they bring with it south african coverage where you know there is an audience for it um which is really you know let's be honest that's that's why the south african teams are there is because there's there is still support for south african rugby particularly when it comes to when it comes to the tv deals so they bring with it that money but i mean it's it's so unwieldy now you just think I don't know Newcastle versus the Sharks. That's that feels like a difficult sell to me. Um, whereas you're right, what you what you what you don't have in the URC, and and this happens with the the Irish and the Scottish sides and the Welsh sides. It's they, they've been playing in the same league for twenty years, and there's still no real rivalry between them because there's no geographical no. rivalry. Whereas there has always been um, that rivalry between the English and Welsh sides. You know if it's you know, regardless of if, you know, if Cardiff are linguishing down the bottom of the league and have had a terrible season, they would still love to give a bloody nose to Gloucester or Bath or Bristol or whoever. That will, that will always, you know, I think that will always be there. Um, and I just, yeah, I just don't know that, that this is, you know, that this is necessarily the right answer. Um, but I don't know, in terms of the things we've discussed before, perhaps having a more coherent calendar, perhaps this it would help with, with things like that. I think the, the other thing that worries me about this is, you know, you're seeing it with Australia, <clears throat> potentially with New Zealand, you know, the way they played at times this year, not, not so much lately, is you've taken South Africa away out of super rugby. And I think that's weakened, it's weakened New Zealand and, and especially Australia. Because yes, they're backing for the rugby championship, but you've got you know that second and third tier of players who are not being exposed to a very different type of rugby. And 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 if you weaken, if you you know you weaken weaken New Zealand and Australia, you weaken the game. Um, I I just I just don't think South Africa belong in in in, in the URC or in or in the Champions Cup. And um, you know I'd like to see them go back, but clearly it's it's the same time time zone in Europe, isn't it? And um, they don't have all that, all that, so much traveling. Um, but yeah. but I, don't, I don't think it's it's good for the international game that South Africa are, are in the URC. No, I don't think it's good for the international game and I don't think it works from a domestic, well, because you know, we're calling it domestic point of view, how a side that is 
on a separate continent can be seen. And I, you know, I don't want this to come across as a, a xenophobic sounding argument because that's not it's a rugby thing. It's based on based on rivalries and what makes a domestic competition special, you know, and what makes it um week in, week out um yeah, week in, week out rivalries. And I just don't think you'll let you'll ever get that from um from South Africans. And yeah, the the thing is, I don't know, you know, I have not thought this through commercially, but the Curry Cup is still an incredibly strong competition. Yeah. And there's there's almost enough case to say that um to say that South Africa could have a you know could have a league of its of its own, really. Um and you know, and, and be involved in super rugby in some capacity. But they they are caught, you know, they are caught kind of in between two places that yes, they fit our time zone. Um but rugby wise they have always played with with those southern hemisphere nations so it's a really really difficult one to to find a solution to but i mean if, if there were a merger and the urc became a british irish italian and south african league i don't see how that um i don't see how that comes becomes massively commercially successful because i just don't think there's the there's not the um there's not the kind of the local interest in those in those games it, it also undermines the champions cup because at the moment, oh, I think that's a goner if this happens. Yeah, I, I think it could be a goner anyway. To be honest, yeah, well, because because how how you know what meaning would it have? I mean, if you're playing English clubs, we can. I mean, at the moment they try and keep them apart, don't they? But mm. you wouldn't be you wouldn't be able to. So you you know you could be playing you know one team four or five times times a season. No, no, no. Yeah, I I believe the um the. I, in the article, it suggested that the kind of the counterpoint to that would be that you'd have a knockout tournament, your kind of FA Cup style, where you'd have the French teams involved. But I mean, again, realistically, how seriously are the French going to take that? Um, how seriously are you going to take it if you get an away draw? Because we know how big home advantage is in rugby. You know, if you get an away draw in the first round, in the first round of that, you when you but play also, so but, much rugby already. But also, it means that you know when you're trying to sell sell yourself to investors and say, "Well, how many home games have you got?" Well, mm-hmm. you, what it, at the moment is 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 the prime tournament, the Champions Cup. You say, "Well, we can't guarantee we got one home game in it." That's not an incentive to invest, is it? So I I, I can't see that being a starter. No, I think you uh, I think you might well be right on that. While we're talking URC, um, nil from four for the Welsh regions this weekend. Um, a sign of things to come, do you think, Paul, for the rest of this season? No, I think it's just a sign. You know what, what everyone will know that because budgetary constraints mean strength and depth isn't there. So as long as as long as the Welsh squad are away, it's going to be a struggle when when the, the, those players return. You hope it'll they'll they'll be you know at at, at, at full strength. They'll be competitive, but I mean you see it sometimes, don't you, in in in, in the Champions Cup. Region making a good start to a game, and then when when the benches come into play, not having the um, the resources of uh, of opponents. I mean, that's that's a factor of the of the relatively low spend they've got, isn't it? So, um, and it's and, and again, it raises the question: right, is why are Wales playing the Barbarians? I mean, all right to raise money, but you know, it's a time when the regions deserve to have their players back, don't they? And, you know, I mean, I see Nick Tompkins was straight into it for Saracens last Saturday. Mm-hmm. Right, needs after their spanking at Exeter, but. Um, you know, a few you know, McFarland came back from from Samoa for them as well, and a few others have. You know, I, I, you know, the regions deserve to see those players. But so, no, to me, what it exposed was 
the lack of depth, which is which is no surprise. Is it? I mean, maybe maybe some of the margins, certainly the scarlets, that was that was a, a bit of a shocker. But um, and well, I suppose away, Cam- away in South Africa, how many seasons of this have we had? Two, two seasons yeah. of this already. That's what's going to happen. We're going to take sides down there, whichever side, whichever region it is, and realistically, you're likely to take a to take a bit of a sound beating. And I, I suppose Cardiff having a player sent off that made a difference, but but still losing at home to Jerezo isn't 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 a good look, even when you're not at full strength. Both them and the Gra- Dragons look to have had the game won as well. I think if the Dragons yeah. are taking those three yeah. points when yeah. the game was slipping away, um, I, you know that on paper that would 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 really have been enough to to get them over, or should have been enough to get them over the line from that point in the game. And and Cardiff should have had enough because they really outplayed Treviso. So, yeah, it was um, frustrating in, in those two games. Ospreys came into it at the, at the end of theirs, but that game was over after 20 minutes. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, you're right, though. The, the Barbarians one is interesting. I think the press conference today, Nigel Walker said that um, this, this, you know, this kind of this won't happen again. I don't know if he just generally means, you know, on, on weekends when there's a, a Welsh derby, but... It's it's not a good look, given that we've had a you know a civil war this year to be playing an international where you've got where you've got twenty three players unavailable for their for their regions um, already against a backdrop of playing with uh, with um, with weakened squads and, and reduced budgets. Yeah, and they, you know they've already been away with Wales. What since when do they go into camp? June. June. Yeah. And that's you know that's 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 four months. No, I didn't. Yeah, and again, if if you're trying to sell a regional game, trying to get supporters to go and watch it, you know what you're saying to them really is: is come and watch Wales. And there has to be that more done from the union if they're serious about working with the regions to to inject some life into the club game. You you ha- Wales will always be the biggest draw, and we know that it is commercially. But there has to be more done, and they have to work closer with the regions in order to promote the regional game it just it, you know otherwise i think you just it's death by a thousand cuts otherwise you know that i and i can't i can't see i can't see any other situation unless they get behind it and are able to to sell the club game to um to to a wider audience in wales i think that's because you know, i mean england you know one of the um the concerns about Premiership clubs is that the overlap between fans who watch England mm. and those who go to the club games is, is is negligible. Yeah, looking at ways of increasing that, and and you know if that happens in Wales, that so you get you get um, supporters turning up at the Principality to watch Wales, but they're not watching the regions. Then you know the moment Wales start to struggle, you know the, the, those fans are lost to the game if they if they're not coming from from. You know, if their entry level is Wales, that has to be has to be a concern, major concern. And you've seen it with England, didn't you? But, but the Fiji game before yeah. the um, or the World Cup, it was what twenty thousand down on capacity. And I I, I know the Irish said, oh well, you know, we always struggle to um, you know to 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 fill Twickenham for um, for, for tier two nations. Well, they're talking about their hat because they, they had Tonga um, last year, and there were eighty one thousand. I remember watching Romania up there in two thousand and three when. We put over a hundred points on them, and there were eighty-one thousand there that day. So they're talking rubbish. They were twenty thousand down, and that to me is a reflection of, you know, England's the entry level for a number of fans. When England aren't performing, they're not going to pay the hundred and twenty quid to watch them. 
Well, and I suppose the difference is, Paul, if you look at attendances in the in the English Premiership, you know, you take someone like Leicester or or someone like that, they command a very good gate because of the the competition they're in. Now, I'm not saying that answers everything financially because those clubs have been spending beyond their means largely, um, you know, for for whatever reasons. In Wales, there is plenty of room in the stadium for for more fans. You know, yeah, there, there is, and um. And that's something that, that basically is going to have to get addressed. Um, and that's where I do think that, you know, that a change in competition, as, as we said before, if you've got if you've got Cardiff, and it's not going to be Cardiff, Gloucester, Cardiff, Bristol every single week, but a competition where you have those those rivalries is so much easier to sell. If it's Cardiff Saracens, if it's it doesn't need to be a West, you know, um, no. a kind of M4 no. derby. It can be just no. so, the Anglo-Welsh stuff is so much easier to sell. And you, and you and you saw that back in when was it nineteen ninety nine when you had the yeah. Anglo Welsh friendlies you know and there were good crowds especially in Wales not so not quite so good in England but you know for for going back to the URC sort of idea of the merger with the English one thing English clubs do have by and large are healthy attendances you know yeah. the likes of Bath Northampton Harlequins uh, Leicester Gloucester um, you know Northampton all all you know, five-figure averages. It's only yeah. really Sale and Newcastle that are struggling to get to get five or above. Though Sale did well at the end of last season, and and Exeter average about nine, nine, nine or ten. Um, but you know, healthy averages. You compare those to to the Welsh regions, for example, or the, or the yeah. Scottish, sides, and it's you're talking the average is is, is pretty much near double. So, it, England would 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 bring a lot to it in in in, in that sense commercially. It would make make it a, a much stronger league, like just as just as the South Africans have done. Yeah, it would, and I, I think you know that's what it hinges on for English sides is they have the attendances. They can't put those ticket prices up anymore because they're already yeah. they're already well beyond where they where they should be, and they're struggling to attract a younger fan base. What they can do is they can increase the the broadcast deals that they're selling. But in order to do that, you can't have a league where teams are dropping out three. No, three no. every three every no. season, or even every couple of seasons. You've, it's got to be robust. And it's got to be sellable and bigger than it was before. You've got fewer matches there, but I think I think they've learned an important lesson. Not that this one that football clubs have learned, but I mean they're so rich that it doesn't really matter unless they get relegated. And that is, if every time you get a, an increase in income, whether through television or sponsorship, you just pass it all onto mm-hmm. players through wages. You're never going to be any better off, and I think if they do get increases this time, they'll keep keep a good percentage back, so they have something a to invest or b to keep keep for a rainy day. So I think it's it, it, uh, looking at the the Premiership salary cap figures last week. You see salaries are still below where they were in the season before COVID, and and and, and whilst the the top players will always earn bundles, I think. Below that, there will be a, a, a leveling off, so that so that clubs start start to to invest rather than just spend everything they've got on on wages. Yeah, absolutely agree with you on uh, on that one. Um, right, Paul. Just to finish, then uh, every week we uh, we pick a moment of the week in conjunction with our uh, with our other sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Um, so I've asked you to do it for this week. What is the one moment that's kind of stood out for you? Um, and again, this this incredibly busy week of rugby. The one woman stood up to me, and it was its shock value. 
because I couldn't, be, I couldn't believe it happened. It was when Will Jordan was expecting the pass to get his fourth try against Argentina. Oh, and, God, and yeah. It was so un-New Zealand-like. I could I, <laughs> I was, I was really surprised at that. And um, he still got three tries, but four would have, would have taken him to nine, which would, which would broken the. I think there's three or four of them tied on that, isn't it? For eight, eight yeah. tries. And, but it was, it was so. I mean, the game was won, so it didn't matter in that sense. But it was, it was so un New Zealand like that. Normally, they'll you know, unselfish and and do the best rugby thing, which in that instance, as Mwanga had two players to beat, was was free Jordan and put them over. So it's a it's a bit of a cop out that one, but it, it was the one that stood out for me. Yeah, the uh, the uh, a jaw dropping moment of the week, uh, and yeah, it would have equaled Jonah's for. Uh, four tries in the semi-final as four well, wouldn't it, it from ninety five? It, it, it would have given him nine for the tournament, which would yeah. have broken the record. So, yeah, well, I'm sure, I'm sure, Richie Moanga has. Uh, well, well, I'll be buying Will Jordan a pint for that one. He, um, he would have been pulled up over it for sure. Yes, I think so. Yeah, and um, yeah, can't afford to be making those uh, those kind of mistakes when it comes to the final this week. No. Uh, a couple more things for you, listeners. We've got uh, a bonus pod coming out this week as well, which uh, is. Uh, my chat with Jared Evans from earlier in the summer he made his debut for Harlequins this uh, uh, this weekend and uh, or his first start rather this weekend. So um, you've got our chat. Uh, really enjoyed talking to him. That will be coming up later in the week. Uh, we've got some more specials for you coming out later in the month as well. So if you're not subscribed on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or however you normally listen to your podcast, make sure you do so. And that way you won't miss any of the specials. Um, But a big thank you to everyone who's listened throughout the Rugby World Cup. Obviously, we'll be back to review the final as well. But uh, it's been really good. And we've we've had our best ever numbers during... um, uh, during the Rugby World Cup, so have uh, really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed chatting rugby with everyone who's uh, who's come along for the ride. Uh, and thanks to Paul for joining us on this episode. Uh, and we'll be back to chat rugby with you very very soon. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.